The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. We'd like to continue, Lord willing, our exposition of the Gospel of John. And we'd like to pick up in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Hopefully, we can uh, be efficient and make our way down to uh, what I hope is one of our main thoughts this evening, which is really centered in verse uh, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then in verse 36, if the Son therefore make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So keep that in mind as we're going through this. The freedom and the liberty that's in the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus Christ is the truth. He says in a few chapters later in John 14 and verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So freedom and liberty are in the truth. Freedom and liberty are in Jesus Christ. So beginning in verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And when he says he that followeth me, it's very similar to a lot of the references we find in the Gospel of John to he that believeth on me. You don't follow him to get life. You follow him, obviously. If you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus, that's indication that you have life. Just as belief is also the evidence of regeneration. But notice, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's the truth. His word is truth. And therefore, the word that he has given us, particularly the written word, gives us light and illumination and vision and clarity in our own life to make good, wise, scriptural decisions to where we're not walking in darkness. Uh, It says in, in the Psalms that God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, the other, <clears throat> the other end of that is that if you walk in Jesus Christ and you walk in his word and you walk in his truth, then you will have light and vision and clarity according to the scriptures and according to the Holy Spirit for the decisions that you make in life. But then you have Satan who desires, it describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that the God of this world had blinded the minds of some people lest they should believe the gospel. And that's talking about children of God because children of God are the only people with the capacity to, to believe the gospel. So Satan's desire is to blind and to cloud and to confuse the minds of God's children. And for them, blindness obviously uh, is, is akin to darkness. Right? So God's children can become so confused, especially if Satan infiltrates their mind to blind them to where they're walking in darkness. And and I tell you, if you walk in the dark, (laughs) 
it's not going to take long for you to stub your toe, right? For you to run into something. I think we all know that, trying to go to the refrigerator in the middle of the night. <laughs> or whatever you get up to do in the middle of the night. <laughs> and stub your toe. And stub your toe on something. It, you're, you're inevitably going to run into things when you don't have clear vision, right? So... Jesus is the light of the world. He that followeth me is not going to walk in darkness. You're going to have the truth. And what does the truth give you? The truth gives you light. Yeah. It gives you light and it gives you vision. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Which is, which is true if he wasn't God manifest in the flesh, right? <laughs> I mean, somebody standing up and saying, I am blah, 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 doesn't mean anything if you are the, the only testimony to that. And you don't have any proof or any works to, to validate the, uh, the testimony that you're trying to, to profess. Verse 14. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, and ye cannot tell whence I come or whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. As we go through this, uh, this, this really kind of culminates uh, a little bit later on um, in verses we won't really consider uh, this evening. But uh, he, Jesus, in many instances, and I think this is an example of it, he is speaking to a mixed multitude. He's speaking to... Uh, a, a large, diverse group of people. And in some instances in, in, the, in discourses, he zones in on a specific group within the whole. Right. And then he, he may zone in on a different group in the same congregation, so to say. So there's a group of people among this, this mixed multitude that he's addressing um, some, a little bit later on, are described as believing in Jesus Christ. But the people that he is addressing consistently in these verses are just simply unregenerate. And, and, and I want you to notice as we go through this, though, all the different descriptions that Jesus gives of these people that are not children of God. And that it really culminates... Um, in verse 44, year of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. But, and then it really culminates in that. But again, look at all, as we kind of go through this, keep this in the back of your mind. All of these references of the way that he's describing these people that are manifesting through their rejection of Jesus Christ as the son of God, that they are not children of God. Okay, And he describes them in so many different ways. First of all, they only have the ability, verse 15, you, you can only judge after the flesh. They have no capacity to judge in a spiritual way Amen. because they haven't been born again and they don't have the spirit. You can only judge after the flesh. Verse 18, I am one that bear witness of myself. The Father has sent me bear witness of me. And then they say, where is thy father? And Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. So your rejection of me is implicitly a rejection of Jehovah God. Okay? These words spake Jesus in the treasury. Again, he's, he's delivering this message in, a, in the middle of a large group of people, but not everyone that's necessarily uh, within earshot of what he's saying 
Is he zoning in and condemning so heavily as he is these lead detractors that are trying to tempt him and, and to constantly question his, his divinity and his claim as the Son of God? Then said Jesus unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Okay, um, again, as we're going through this, do you see any indication in the way that Jesus addresses these people that would probably be commonly presented in Christianity today that, yes, you're in a really bad spot right now, but really, if you just choose me and you choose to believe and you choose to follow and you choose to come to me, then I'm offering unto you eternal life. Mm. There is no... Um, alternative route <laughs> to the son or to the father that he's offering them. He is just Amen. simply declaring the truth that for the unregenerate, you cannot come to me. You can only judge after the flesh. You're of your father, the devil. You have no capacity to understand any of this. What he's not doing is preaching the way that many people, unfortunately, preach in Christianity today that says, yes, this is the state you're in, but you have the ability to change your condition. <laughs> Jesus didn't talk that way. Jesus, and also, side note, Jesus can talk this way. We can't talk this Amen. way. <laughs> there you, go. you can't tell anybody they're of their father, the devil. Now, you can look at their actions and say... You're making some some decisions that are very indicative of the 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 uh, temptations of, of the devil, but we don't have the ability to talk to people <laughs> the way Jesus talks to people here in John chapter eight. Okay, because guess what? You're not the son of God. <laughs> and everybody said Amen. Right? Okay. You shall die in your sins. He's not saying you, you will or you might die in your sins unless you repent and believe. He said, no, you, you're going to die in your sins. Why? Because I did not choose to love you before Amen. the world began. Amen. It's just that simple. You will die in your sin. There's no alternative route. There's no alternative route to change that outcome. Okay. And then the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he said, whether... I go, you cannot come. And notice this, ye are from beneath. I mean, again, he is just drilling these people. Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I'm not of this world. I said, therefore, unto you, ye shall die in your sins. Now, this is the phrase where most people would, would present an alternative uh, belief than what I've presented for you. If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now, a lack of belief in Jesus Christ is not, you're not in a neutral position. And if you choose to reject Jesus Christ, then you're going to die in your sins. Just as belief is an evidence of regeneration, in a general sense, there are exceptions, but in a general sense, not believing in Jesus Christ is an evidence that someone is not born again. That's right. Now, there are uh, many instances where God's children can have judicial blindness, and there are instances in our life where we struggle with belief and we fall into sin. Not every child of God is going to perfectly exhibit belief 100% of the time in the manner that we ought to. 
However, the general disposition of God's children toward the gospel is belief. That's consistent all throughout the New Testament. It's consistent in the gospel of John. The general disposition of God's children toward the gospel is to believe in Jesus Christ. So therefore, for those that do not believe in Jesus Christ, and and, and I will also say, I think the plumb line was dropped even more distinctly with Jesus Christ coming into this world. There's an entirely different um, manifestation of the evidence of not believing in Jesus Christ than hearing the gospel and maybe struggling with it and then seeing the Son of God heal people and either rejecting it or saying he's doing this by the power of Beelzebub and, and the Prince of Devils. Okay? So... The reason why you die in your sins, back to verse 24, the reason why you die, why these people would die in their sins is not because they didn't believe. No, their lack of belief was evidencing the state they were already in, that Jesus Christ simply did not come to die for them. Their, Their rejection of Jesus Christ and their unbelief is evidence that they already were gonna die in their sins. Just like how belief is evidence that you have already been born again, okay? So, the second half of that verse there in verse 24, that, that is not, just as belief is not the condition that you gain eternal life, unbelief is not the condition that causes you to die in your sins, okay? Verse 24, who art thou? Or verse 25, rather. Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I sent unto you from the beginning, um, I have many things to say to you and to judge of you, he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard of him. And they understood not that he spake to them of the Father. And Jesus said unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man. Okay, now this gives, again, more clarity to the people that he's condemning, right? These are people, the leaders of the people, that will inevitably be complicit in putting Jesus Christ to death. When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am He. And I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And He that sent me is with me, and the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So Jesus has been drilling these people that inevitably would be the leaders that would um, deceive the people to chant for him to be crucified. They were the ones who desired Jesus Christ to be put to death. And he tells them, you can only judge after the flesh. You don't know the Father. You are only of this world. You shall die in your sins. You're from beneath and I'm from above. But then, even in the same group, you know, he's, uh, and, and this is why we just simply, Jesus was able to zone in on individual people because obviously he knew who his elect were and who his sheep were in this group, but we don't. 
So we just preach the gospel indiscriminately, right? I can't look at one person and, and say uh, something specifically to them without having any evidence to back that up. And then, and then I can't look over here to the left side and then, and then condemn somebody. No, we just preach the gospel indiscriminately. And the Holy Spirit applies that message, if they're a child of God, to hopefully minister to their hearts and give them assurance. Amen. But in the middle of this group, he's, he, so I say that to say, I think he is looking at specific people probably when he's saying this. But even if he's not looking at one person when he's saying you're going to die in your sins, the people that that was applicable to, they heard that message and it clicked and I think they probably understood at least in that moment that he was talking about them the same is true here where it says in verse 30 and he spake these words because many believed on him so in that same group I think he's still here in the treasury here I think he's still in the temple with a large group of people so then he delivers this message but this message clearly is not applicable. Now, there may have been people uh, that he describes as being from beneath and of the earth and all these condemnations. They may have heard the, the verbal auditory words that came out of Jesus' mouth, but these words didn't mean anything to them. Okay? Right. But it did mean something to the people in that group who believed on Jesus Christ. So these verses that we're about to read, it does not apply to everyone that he's speaking to that verb or that, that literally heard the words of Jesus Christ in their, in their ears. Who did it apply to? It applied to his children, right? It applied to those who believed in Jesus Christ. So in verse 30 here, he spake these words, many believed on him. And then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, right? So again... It, within the same group, uh, he doesn't have the ability to look at, you know, let's say if there was, you know, five people there, whoever. I mean, obviously we can't look at numbers, but, but let's say there's, there, he can't look at five people at one time if he's saying you're of your father the devil. No, he's just declaring it. Yeah. And the people who it applies to hear it. And they realize that it's speaking to them. Well, I think he does the same thing here when he's saying those, Jew, those Jews which believed on him. He tells them a message that only applies to them. And on the other end of the spectrum, all those that were from beneath, number one, it didn't mean anything to them. And uh, at a minimum, it probably, it sure didn't prick them in the heart in anything. It probably cut them to the heart and probably just made them matter. Okay? So I say that to say, Jesus in the same group of people is delivering messages that are applicable to both the unregenerate and the children of God. Okay? So those children of God that are among this group, then Jesus saith uh, to those Jews which believed on him. This is applicable to who? To believers. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, Part of the reason I'm emphasizing that is because some people would say that, see, yeah, these people were in their sins, but if you choose to know the truth, 
then you'll be set free and you'll be redeemed. That's not who he's talking to. He's not talking to people uh, that are in an unregenerate state and offering them the opportunity to receive the freedom that is eternal salvation. Right. He's talking to people who already believe, right? Yeah. And I hope that we can see and also have experienced the freedom and the power that's in the gospel. And we've experienced that before, hopefully, by, by being baptized and feeling that salvation that goes along, that timely salvation that goes along with repentance and, and baptism and pressing into the Lord's church. But not just that one-time experience of believing the gospel and maybe having the bondage of a work salvation or something lifted off of off of your neck, on a daily basis, the truth of Jesus Christ, and, how, and where is the truth of Jesus Christ expressed and exhibited? In his word, right? This word is truth. So Jesus Christ, the truth of Jesus Christ will make you free, and, and obedience to his word will make you free. Amen. It will give you liberty. And notice he connects the two. Verse 31. If you continue in my word. You know, there's a lot of people. Um, I think about the, uh, think about the stony ground. Um, they get really excited when they first hear the gospel. They receive it with joy. They get all excited. But then they have to start applying what the word, what the truth teaches them. And they realize the sacrifice that they have to make to really press into the kingdom. But then when they start applying that truth, they are receiving persecution and they receive tribulation and they fade away. They're in the parable of the sower. If you continue in my word, not just that you get excited about it one time and then... Um, I try to implement it and it, I realize that it's hard to implement God's word and then I flake away. If you continue in my word, notice this, you're my disciples indeed. Now some people would say if you don't continue in the word, you were never a disciple, right? That's how people, a lot of people will view the stony ground. Just because you didn't continue, then that means you were never a disciple. Well, that that is a possibility. Um, we don't have the right to say definitively one way or the other. But if you continue consistently, then I can look at that person and say, you know what? I see a lot of good ground. I see a lot of good fruit. Amen. And they are my disciple, or they're, they're Christ's disciple, but they're the Christ's disciples indeed. <laughs> I certainly hope that we can have that kind of a testimony. Amen. That people would examine our life, that we live in such a way where we don't just casually, occasionally follow God's word. We continue in his word. We continue in his truth. And that testimony of continuing in his truth gives us the testimony that we're not just disciples, but we are disciples indeed. Disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'll come back to that. Verse 33, they answered him, saying, we be uh, Abraham's seed and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be free? Boy, these people were delusional, weren't they? 
Amen. We've never been in bondage to any man. You were in bondage to the Egyptians, to the Babylonians, to the Persians. You're currently in bondage to the Romans. You've been in bondage most of your existence. Well, but they're so delusional to say, oh, we've never been in bondage to any man. And then you say, ye shall be made free. And Jesus answers them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Okay, notice that. How are you made free? <laughs> it's not by your choice. It's not by your belief. You're made free by the son of God, right? And if he made you free, you have the right to live in freedom. Okay? You are free. If he made you free, you have, you, not only are you free, but you have the right to live in freedom and liberty. But the challenge, though, is that we have Satan who wants God's children to walk around in bondage, right? He wants us to walk around with a yoke of bondage about our neck because, you know, we're called to run a race with patience. Well, it's a whole lot harder to run a race with a big old ox's yoke around your neck, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about when we talk about a yoke? Can you envision somebody with a, a yoke that's supposed to be on an ox? And you have somebody who has no, no weights on them, and you're going to run the exact same race. And you got somebody running in normal running clothes. And you got somebody running with an ox's yoke around their neck. Who do you think is going to be more successful in the race? I'll go ahead and tell you, the guy without the yoke, right? And, and if Satan can have us walking around on a daily basis with a huge yoke around about our neck, we're not going to be very successful in running that race, right? We're going to get tired. We're going to get weary. And God forbid we might even faint. I want to highlight a few, a few ways in which... Um, as we conclude, ways in which the truth makes us free. God's word makes us free. Jesus Christ makes us free because he's the truth. But obedience to God's word, obedience to the truth makes us free. Um, one very obvious way is just simply telling the truth. Amen. You know, lying is hard. Yeah. I mean, it's wrong. Yeah. I didn't about that, right? I mean, it's, it's a sin, Bear false witness is a sin. But you tell one lie, you got to tell two lies to cover up the one lie. You got to tell four to cover up the two. You got, and you just keep growing and growing and growing. And that becomes such a weight. You know, and this is not in a church sense at all, but even detectives tell people uh, that are, you know, Probably not necessarily, if you've committed horrendous crimes, I doubt they're necessarily <laughs> confessing there in the, in the interview room out of godly sorrow. But even, even detectives tell them, if you just confess and tell the truth about what you did, you're going to feel a lot better. Right. And they're not giving that counsel to children of God. <laughs> they're giving that counsel to just a general part. Why? Not necessarily because there's godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. Is that lying just gets hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard to keep up with. It's, it's hard to remember who you told what. And you just let that keep pulling you 
in a thousand different lies in a thousand different directions. You know what's easy? To tell the truth. <laughs> That's easy, isn't it? It's easy to tell the truth. And boy, that will just lift that yoke of bondage off your neck that you're putting on yourself. Because I'll tell you if, you, if you choose to lie, you're putting that yoke on, on your own neck. Okay? And just in simply being honest and telling the truth, as opposed, especially if you've been caught in a lie, that is going to give you a tremendous peace from that liberation that you've created for yourself. The truth shall make you free. Now, there are many ways in which God's word and the truth of God's word will, and that lying is, a, is an example of that. Uh, there are many other sins that are just explicitly uh, spoken against and commanded against in God's word that if you just obey God's word, you're going to be saved from a tremendous degree of bondage and turmoil and you're just going to get to walk in liberty, live in liberty and freedom by simply obeying God's word. But particularly in a church setting and in um, the gospel truth of salvation by grace alone. You know, we're commanded to worship in spirit and in truth. And truth, we, we, need, we need spirit, no doubt about it. Amen. But that spirit has to be channeled and has to be tempered with truth. Okay? And God desires, he seeks out true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. And you know, there's, there's a degree of truth in the gospel message in many different denominations. But most of them end in the same way. Regardless of how it's presented in the beginning, they usually end in the same way, which is saying that you have to do something. Belief, baptism, good works, whatever it is. You have to do something to not die in your sins, to use the language that Jesus was using here. You have to do something to be saved to heaven. You have to do something to not die in your sins. And when that heresy came into the church in Acts chapter 15, and it caused a lot of people a lot of heartburn, and the apostles met together to deal with this issue, they decided their, their proclamation from this, this uh Council to, to deal with the heresy of a works-based salvation, which in that day was circumcision. In that day was obedience to the law. And they said, listen, you were never intended, just like running a race. You would Not only are you going to run a bad race if you're running with an ox's yoke around your neck, people are going to look at you and say, why's that guy got an ox's yoke around his neck? <laughs> I mean, why? Because it was never intended for, you're not an ox, right? Why are you wearing a yoke that is intended for livestock, right? They're going to look at you and be like, what are you doing with that on your neck? That doesn't make sense. And that's essentially what the apostles said. This is a yoke that neither you nor your fathers were ever intended to bear, yeah. right? It doesn't make any sense that you would be bearing this because it's made for livestock, not for you. But we believe 
that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. And, you know, some people have a much more powerful experience in coming to the church and coming to the truth. We like to use that language in the Primitive Baptist Church. Coming to the truth of salvation by grace alone. And they have a true freedom-liberating experience. You know, uh, I, I just grew up around it my whole life and there came a time that it, that it sunk in more deeply, but, but, um, I, I had not experienced such a dramatic change of, of walking around as many, many children of God do in this world, denominational world of Christianity today, that they walk around in bondage because they feel that their eternal salvation is based on their works. Even if they don't understand it that way, they believe that something they do is the deciding factor in whether they go to heaven or hell. What liberates them from that? The truth does, right? The truth of just simply saying, just as the apostles dealt with that issue in Acts chapter 15, we believe we're saved by grace alone, not grace but, not grace plus, not even grace plus faith. Grace alone. Grace alone. And I'm so thankful for many testimonies we've heard of people that have come from other denominations. And boy, they were walking around with that yoke around their neck for so many years and they describe the freedom and the liberty that they felt when finally that yoke came off, when, they, when it, the Holy Spirit finally gave them clarity to understand that Jesus paid it all. That's right. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I didn't, I, I didn't accept it. I didn't believe it. And not as the means of gaining that eternal life. He did it all. It is finished. And, and finally, when you understand it is finished, oh, that... that Bondage is released. That, that freedom comes into your heart. We'll, we'll close in Isaiah 61. Jesus uh, in Luke chapter 4 in his first sermon. <clears throat> when he's back in his hometown of Nazareth, he opens up the word of God and he reads from this passage. And this is certainly applicable of Jesus Christ. It's, it's applicable of anyone that uh, shares the gospel by the direction of the Holy Spirit, but especially of Jesus Christ. But think about this, this verse in the context of Jesus being the truth. Jesus being the truth, his word being the truth, and the freedom, the freedom and the liberty that Jesus Christ and the truth of his gospel and the truth of his word gives to his burdened, struggled, struggling children that might be in bondage. Not just in the gospel, but in other areas in their life. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. That's the gospel. Amen. That's the truth of the gospel of salvation by grace alone. And that has no bearing on anyone's eternal uh, state or anyone's eternal destination, but it has everything to do, just as, Paul, as Peter preached in, in Acts chapter 2, it has everything to do with you saving yourself from this untoward generation. It has everything to do with you walking in liberty instead of in bondage. Amen. Walking in freedom instead of spiritual captivity, because I'll tell you, Satan is trying to bind you. <laughs> 
Satan's trying to bind your mind, your hands, and all of the activity, the profitable activity that you can uh, do in the kingdom. His desire is to weigh you down with bondage and a yoke. And you know what, what clears all that up, whether, whether it's lying or whether it's just simply the truth of salvation by grace alone? What, what lifts that bondage off of the neck of God's children and all those entanglements? The truth. Amen. Jesus Christ and the truth of his word as well. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And not only are you going to be free, just like how you'll be disciples indeed if you continue in his word, you will be free indeed. Just like, you know, we have the the life, the life in Jesus Christ, and we have an abundant life. You know, I I want to live in freedom, but I want to be free indeed as well, right? Just like that abundant life, above and beyond. And I hope that we can live in liberty. I appreciate the, the Lord. Blessing Brother Bryce Lorenz to write that song. We, we live in liberty. Amen. We live in freedom. We live in liberty. Why? Because of the truth. Because of Jesus Christ and because of the truth of His Word. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.